0: Another edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast brought to you by Courtroom Sciences. Dr. Bill Kanaski here. Here we go again. A uh, solo podcast today. Um, gonna hit some listener mail. Gonna hit some listener mail. That's always fun. That is always fun. I think I've talked about this before in the podcast. My my 15-year-old. These text messages. I'm just gonna read you some right now. How was so I re, so I text him, hey buddy, how was school today? Response K, not okay, just the letter K. Well, my response, how did it go? Response A L R, A L R, meaning all right. When's your first big test coming up, man? Response, IDK. You know, these kids, they're not in the texting, apparently. Making me crazy. Making me crazy. Let's go. Let's let's do some. Let's just jump right into some. I just rolled out of bed, too. Long weeks, early mornings, but I got to squeeze these in, folks. Got to squeeze these in. All right, viewer mail. Let's go. Question number one. How can I, how can my client be better prepared for litigation before a case is even filed? <clears throat> many, many things um, that your clients can do. Uh, we have talked about this, you know, go through that website, clean that up, get rid of that horrible "safety's number one, safety is the top priority language, get through those policies and procedures, training manuals. <clears throat> That's right where your enemy is going to go for the cross-examination script, particularly if they're a reptile attorney, to so clean that stuff up down. Another thing that they can do, which is what I'm doing all week, uh, I am at uh, a very large, very, very large, maybe the largest uh, trucking company in the nation all week. And they have hired me for the week. And we are going through with their staff and we're doing witness training. We, they have a uh, a fictional case that they made, and we are putting key witnesses that we know are going to be deposed in the future, or have already been deposed in the past. You know, head of HR, safety directors, even some C level executives, uh, putting them through the training now, educating them now, training them now. So when the next real case comes. They're already halfway there. They're already halfway there. So uh, education and training is really important. There's several things that you can do prior to litigation uh, to get your house in order. So look at those websites, look at those policies and procedures. And, yeah, you may want to make the investment into some advanced witness training for your your key folks, because, you know, it's coming. People, you know, it's coming. And there's no reason to wait. So we're doing that all week and cycling through these witnesses. And I got to tell you, we are halfway through. It's going fantastic because we are finding out what the strengths and witnesses. I'm sorry, the strengths. Bleh. That's a problem here. I have not had my coffee this morning. I just got coffee from downstairs and that's the free coffee in the hotel lobby, which, you know, how bad that is strengths and weaknesses, strengths and weaknesses of your witness um, witnesses and doing that now, fixing that stuff, uh, proper assessments. And so, again, when the real case comes, you and your folks are going to be ready. And then we can come back in and help you on the actual case facts strategy and then do our formal uh, witness training sessions uh, before deposition. Very, very smart move by this trucking company. Mm-hmm. All right. Next question. Uh, Do online jury projects work? Oh, oh man. I can't stand this question. Um, Yeah. So for the last three years, we've, we've gotten through this. Um, Here's my official position on this. Um, And this is based off of the science. This is based upon the scientific method. Um, a really good sample size of both uh, online mock trials and online focus groups. <clears throat> Number one, not a fan of online mock trials. Uh, they're too long. Uh, it's too tedious for the jurors. You cannot keep the jurors' attention long enough. They're not taking it seriously, <laughs> and I think the data is garbage. And we tried it. We try. In fact my main competitor, you all know who that is with jury research. um, They just did one for our client. And then that client called me and said, Hey, <laughs> that project stunk. I want you to do it. And I want you to do it in person because we just did not get what we needed out of that project. So we're doing that. It just doesn't work. It's a huge headache. And again, the jury, the jurors, are just not into it. They take too long. And, uh, the deliberation process online is just not even ten percent of what it is in person. <clears throat> so uh, I would lean against that because uh, I don't think the data coming out of it is valid, uh, reliable, and therefore it's not going to give you the answers that you want. <clears throat> and it's not much. It's not much cheaper than the actual in-person projects. Uh, they may tell you that it is, but it's actually not. Um, now, on that on that note, uh, what we have found is online focus groups are fantastic. Are fantastic. So doing those all the time. Now, the key with those is not using too many people because that, that makes for a headache online. So you have to have the right sample size. And I know what that is. <laughs> And then secondly, uh, does the Zoom medium uh, melt your brain? I mean, have you been on an all-day Zoom meeting or an all-day Zoom mediation? It just fries your brain and it fries the jurors' brains. So we're doing these in half-day formats because then you can maximize jury attention, still get fantastic feedback from the jurors. And um, we have found those to be really, really useful. So... Online mock trial, eh, not such a good idea. I mean, do it if you want to. I'm just saying it could be a monumental waste of your time and getting garbage data. Online focus groups, up to a half a day. Outstanding. Particularly early on in a case. Very exploratory model. Love them. Uh, We'll keep doing them, doing a bunch of them this fall. So. There's your answer there. Next question. God, I really like, I really, really like listener mail. These are always fun podcasts. And I'm sorry, I feel I, I, I look terrible. That's why my camera is not on. Uh, I feel terrible. Because I just wrote up, I just woke up. I just rolled out of bed. It's early. Uh, but that's the way life is right now. Uh witness training question. The witness has only given us two hours. Is that enough for deposition preparation? Hell no. Oh, my God. Two hours? I know some of your witnesses are important people. Excuse me. They're important people. They're busy. Two hours will not even scratch the surface. Uh, The witness needs to understand, without full preparation and training, I mean preparation with defense counsel, going through exhibits, forming strategy, going through all the documents, followed by advanced witness training that has a educational didactic prong as well as a performance prong. The witness is not going to do well against uh, against a good plaintiff attorney. It's just not going to happen. So your witness needs to be talked to, and they need to understand the economic impact of the deposition result. And yes, I know they're busy, but they need to figure it out. Now, what I've done, so back to virtual things, okay? Because of Zoom, do a lot of Zoom witness training, highly effective, highly, highly effective. If it, trust me, if it wasn't, I would not do it. It's been highly effective. So the answer here to some of these busier people, depending on what industry you're in, is you can break up your training sessions into two-hour blocks or 90-minute blocks. Now, you're going to have to do five or six of those, but it's the cumulative time with the witness. So the witness is saying, "I I can't take a full day off. I don't have the time. I'm too important. I can't invest that much time. Okay, fine. Well, get up early in the morning, and we'll do it before work. In a ninety-minute or two-hour slot, or stay after, and uh, we can fit in these witness training sessions and do them in a uh, uh, stepwise format to get you the cumulative training you need. So that would be the answer there. Because hey, there's a lot of busy people, <clears throat> and I can understand it. It's very difficult. You know, in medical malpractice, that's a big issue. Yeah, you, know, you got surgeons, and you know, it's hard for a surgeon to just take a day off, right? Or a really busy nurse. <clears throat> It's hard. And so um, I just had a nurse that I worked with that we did four two hour sessions, four two hour sessions. And um, I still think she needs more work. But um, that's what we had and that's what we did. And she agreed to the two hour sessions because before she wasn't giving us any time, like half an hour here. Yeah, you know, that's just not going to work. So busy witnesses, mm. break up your sec- you can break up these uh, prep sessions uh, into sections, and you can use Zoom. Mm. So if they're at home, that's fine. You just may have to do some work early in the morning or in the evening. Mm. That's just the way it is, folks. Mm. Welcome to litigation, but it will pay off. It will pay off. Mm. All right. This is good stuff. This is really, really good stuff. Next question. I'm just buzzing through these, by the way. Mm. I know everybody's got work to do. Um, how much training, how long does it take to properly train a witness? You know, I have some pretty strong opinions about that. I think your sweet spot, your real sweet spot <clears throat> is nine hours total. Nine hours, nine hours of total training. That's where you're going to get. And, and and by the way, if you're like the corporate rep, I'd increase that to 12 And that's the sweet spot. I could even go more than that. But I think anything under nine hours is tough because there's this, uh, when you do a six, so you do six hours of witness training. By the end of that, they're usually like 80% to where you want them to be. And then you do a follow-up session for three hours. There's your nine hours. And generally, most witnesses get to where they need to be after that follow up session so you have a preliminary session right uh usually 6 hours because after 6 hours the brain's going to melt and <clears throat> after that have a half day 3 hour session someplace generally right there that's your sweet spot and most witnesses will be ready and good to go after roughly 9 hours of training now some witnesses some witnesses will need more than that. I think obviously the corporate thirty B six corporate rep, just because it's such an important depth and there's so much more information, they're going to need more uh, than that. You have a witness that's struggling with emotional issues. Yeah, yeah, they're going to they're going to need more time. But I think your sweet spot is nine hours because witnesses witnesses that get less than that. Tend to have some problems at depth. They may get through it, but but hey, three more hours to know that you've covered all your bases. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty important. So plan accordingly, and um, make sure that you're spending enough time with your witnesses. And again, back to the previous question: if they don't have the time, work in the time. Whether it be you know again ninety minute, two hour, early morning, or even in the evening to get there because your adversary is putting in the time your adversary is going to put in the time <coughs> and your witness needs to be fully prepared. All right. Next question. When should I talk about damages at trial? Uh, this is from defense counsel. Well, um, I would say to start in jury selection and dire. I think that's very important to get, um, Jurors' attitudes and belief systems towards uh, money damages, large verdicts. I think that's also where you start counter anchoring and planting your seed that, hey, I'm going to give you a number. And that doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form that I am caving on litigation or I'm some litigation. Wait, see, I need more coffee. Liability, liability. Liability. All right, more coffee. You tell those jurors, I'm not caving on liability. I'm just telling you up front, it's my job. It's my duty to defend my client. And one of those duties is to address damages. I'm not going to ignore it. That doesn't mean we're admitting anything, but I'm going to ignore it. Is everybody okay with that? So you have to tip them off in jury selection that that's what you're going to do. Secondly, and this would depend on your judge and the and the court, because some judges don't like this and they won't even let the plaintiff do it. But the general rule is if the plaintiff attorney talks about damage as an opening statement, then you have to talk about damage. You have to start counter anchoring and giving, giving, if they give a number, you give a number. Okay. The worst thing that could possibly happen is plaintiff gives a number in opening and you do not address that number. You are screwed got to give a number and hopefully you've done your jury research to test what that number should be because otherwise you're guessing you're pulling it out of your ass and boy what a huge that's just like russian roulette why would you do that so yes you got to give a number but the point being is you got to test that number in your focus group or your mock trial to see what is a jury okay with Very, very important to address damages in opening if your adversary does. Now, some judges come out and say, I don't want to hear anything about money. Save it for your closing. Okay, well, then just save it for your closing. That's fine. But if, you're, the rule, if your adversary is bringing up an opening, you damn well better be doing the same thing. And you better refer to their damages figure, you need to refer to that as unfair, unreasonable, if not absurd. That's you, defense counsel. You need to say those words. That demand that you just heard by plaintiff's counsel, and sometimes it's the first thing coming out of your mouth in your opening. It's unfair, it's unreasonable, and quite frankly, it's absurd. And then you go right in the jury and strike. The the judge is going to tell you Fair and reasonable Dan, Well, what you just heard was not fair, it wasn't reasonable. You've got to say that stuff. Quite frankly, a lot of defense attorneys are very uncomfortable with saying that stuff. You better if your adversary does. So you kind of got to play that by ear. See, um, see what your adversary does, and then make sure that you mirror their efforts on damages. All right. Next question. But this is this, you cannot make this stuff up, folks. You can't make this up. My, this is from defense counsel. Uh, my witness is hitting the wacky weed to stay calm prior to death. What are your thoughts? Man, my thoughts are I, I need more coffee. Hitting the wacky weed? Oh, okay. Now, we've talked on this podcast, we've published countless papers on anxiety, its role in witness testimony. It's a huge, huge factor. And the use of marijuana is in many states now legal. Society has, for the most part, come around on this. Personally, I've never been a big fan, but if your witness is self-medicating on that stuff, Uh, I can't say I recommend that then again, you know, it's, it's, you know, now you got medical marijuana. What if they're already, you know, what if the witness has a medical card, right? They have a medical marijuana card and they're increasing their intake to, you know, keep them chill as deposition approaches. Well, is that a problem? Well, I think it's, I think it just all comes down to the responsibility and, and, and the use. If you have a witness that has used say medical marijuana for years and they're using it for essentially anti-anxiety medical purposes, they have a prescription from their doctor and, you know, they're using it for that reason. I, I don't, I don't think you tell that witness, okay, stop using it. Uh, Cause that creates a whole new set of problems with withdrawal increasing anxiety uh could have a real mess on your hands on that note and i'm not really sure where this question is going whether the person was already on it or they're just increasing their intake or they're just starting it new i would never tell a witness yeah you know go get a medical card and start you know start hitting the bong to (laughs) to uh to help your anxiety through this litigation. Yeah. That's a great idea. Uh, I would not definitely not recommend that. Cause I think everybody responds to any type of drug uh differently. You don't know what you're going to get into. <laughs> so I think, I think, you yeah, have I think what you do here is you have a real heart to heart with your witness. Um, Number one, I would not recommend they get started with something like that as a way to manage that would be a, te- a terrible, terrible timing. <laughs> don't do that. There's a, there's, 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 there's medic, there's anxiety. If they're really, really struggling with anxiety, send them to their family physician. If they have to get on Xanax or something like that, that's far, that's far better. I'm not even, and by the way, Xanax is, Xanax is actually has its side effects and, and risk profile as well. So that just ha- have a doctor, have a physician uh, take care of this. Um, if they're already taking medical marijuana, and they're just, you know, maybe increasing their dosage uh, to prepare for litigation deposition. Again, I would have them talk to their physician. This is a real slippery slope, folks. Really, really slippery slope. <laughs> um, get them to a physician is what I would say. Um, now, what I do with witnesses that are, you know recommend, you know, hey, maybe you need some counseling for anxiety management. You know, hey, by the way. Exercise, exercise, exercising five days a week at 30 minutes a day is just as effective, if not more effective. The research is crystal clear on this. Exercise is just as effective, if not more effective, than psychotropic medications for anxiety and depression. Go work out. Okay? You know, healthy lifestyle things to manage anxiety, positive thinking. But again, you kind of need a therapist counselor for the positive thinking thing. So, again, this is a really good question because it really doesn't come up. But I mean, you probably don't ask your witnesses this stuff, but are you aware of how many people in this country do use cannabis and much of it for medicinal purposes versus recreational Well, if you have a, a stressed out witness, you may wanna to talk to them. Yeah, because listen, and we've already talked about this. Some of your witnesses will turn to alcohol because of stress and anxiety, because of litigation, particularly like named defendants, right? They're worried about losing everything. It's stressful, people. So I think the, I think the lesson here, talk to your witnesses. I ask every witness. <laughs> And it's not the most comfortable time. It's really, really I'm like, how are you? Ma- a what's your anxiety? What's your mood like? I go through a kind of a full set of questions clinically, and I say, what are you doing to manage this? Some people say, you know what? I go to church, I pray, I exercise. Great. Others say, you know, I'm in counseling. Some people say I'm in counseling for something else personally, but you know, I'm, I'm working on this litigation stress as well. Hey, perfect. <laughs> but I ask, you know, are do you use alcohol? Are you using anything else to kind of take the edge off? Because of what you're going through in this lawsuit and they'll tell you, and I think you start from there. You just have an honest discussion, see where it goes. <laughs> and if you have to get their family physician, well, send them to their family physician. Um, Very, very slippery slope. I also think an important topic that no one talks about. All right. Last question. What are the top, because it may, by the way, it's a great question because the trial trials are going nuts here. I'm doing more. I've done more trial prep work this year. And it's all these COVID cases that, you know, were put on the shelf and now they're going to trial. Uh, from defense counsel, uh, what are the top opening statement mistakes? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I teach lectures on this. There are three mistakes. And these are three mistakes um, that most uh, most make. And these are the three most common uh, mistakes for opening statement from the defense. Perfect. Number one, you start wrong. You start wrong. We've covered this on the podcast. You cannot come out of there. You, know, you can't get in front of the jury, introduce yourself, introduce your client, thank them for their civic service. Dumb, dumb, dumb. This is going. You got to come out of your corner swinging and you have to start assigning blame. It's the first thing you do in opening statement. You come out and you tell the jury, here's who you're going to blame, and here's why. First thing out of your mouth. That could be uh, alternative causation. That could be a co-defendant. That could be an empty chair party. That could be the plaintiff. That's how you start your opening every damn time. But no, everybody gets up there doing all this other stuff. You got to get to it. It's your golden time. We call it the cognitive lens. What lens do you want these jurors seeing the case through? Well, your adversaries just got up in their opening, right? They've told their story. Well, now you better get to it and start poking holes in that story by resetting the stage. This is what the. this is really why you're here. This is what the case is about and give them the who, what, where, when, why, how of this case immediately. That's mistake number one. Mistake number two, order of information. Order of information. Again, you have to start by re-saying the stage. You have to tell a new story. Do not put yourself on trial inadvertently. That's the second mistake. Unbelievable. Stop talking about yourself. Stop talking about your client. Of an opening statement, you should be talking about your client 20% or less. Let me repeat that. In your opening statement, 20% or less should be spent on your client. Because otherwise, you're putting your client on trial. Who do you want on trial? You want the plaintiff on trial. You want alternative causation on trial. You want co-defendant on trial. You want empty chair on trial. Anything but you. But when you come out, hey, we're a great company. We didn't do anything wrong. Defend, defend, defend. When you start to defend, you look guilty. Attack, 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 attack. Let me say it again attack. Again, defense counsel aren't trained that way. You got to go on the attack. Order your information appropriately. And how you're going to finish is how you're going to start blame, blame, blame. Okay. Which leads into the third mistake in opening statement it's too damn long. Do not get into the weeds of the case witnesses to do that tell the better story any opening statement over 30 minutes is ineffective okay i've heard plaintiffs on their podcasts and on youtube saying they they're shooting they're trying to spread this around the plaintiff's bar and i don't blame them hello plaintiff attorneys now you're out there i get a lot of compliments from plaintiff attorneys They listen to the podcast. Hey, I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. But I listen to theirs. And what they're saying is we want the we want the plaintiff attorneys to focus on the 15 to 20 minute opening statement. Get in, get out and be persuasive and let the defendant get up there and defend, defend, defend for 45 minutes to an hour. The perception of that alone gives them the lead. I'm pounding the table here, pounding the desk as I'm talking to you. See, now I'm awake. See, the caffeine's kicked in. The first half of this podcast was terrible. I was half asleep. Now I'm on my third cup of coffee. Now I'm into my groove, folks. Into my groove. These long opening statements don't work. Why? Because you don't know how the juror brain operates. It wants a story. It wants it because about juror attention span is horrendous. It's atrocious. (laughs) And the plaintiff bar is openly advertising 15 minute, 20 minute max opening statements. By the way, congratulations, plaintiff attorneys. That's pretty darn smart because neurocognitively you're meeting the jury exactly where they need to be. (laughs) Defense counsel, wake up. You need to do the same thing. Now, the first thing: how am I supposed to do an opening statement in twenty minutes? I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Improve your storytelling abilities. Hire me. Send me your opening. Trust. Me. I'll get it. Send me your forty-five minute opening. I'll get down to seventeen point five minutes. Because I'm going to start cutting stuff. I'm going to get a weed whacker and. Cut down all the weeds that you're putting. Because, see, you want to prove your case in your opening. You don't do that. You don't do that. You can't do that. It's 2023. It doesn't work. Maybe it worked in 1982. Before all this technology, Brain, juror brains have evolved. People have evolved. Jurors have changed. <laughs> they don't have the time They don't have the patience. They're watching TikTok videos all day. They cannot sit there and listen to you for 45 minutes. They'll fall asleep. They'll zone out. They'll start making their grocery list. Okay. Depends. Focus on if if, if you can get down to 20. I mean, I'll give you 30. Give you 30. But that's even if you. So let's give you the sweet spot between 20 and 30. That's why I tell every defense: twenty and thirty minutes is your sweet spot. You go thirty-one minutes, you have a problem. You go forty-five minutes, you got serious. Problem. You you go an hour, you look guilty, and no one's paying attention. It looks terrible. It looks terrible. Every juror's going, God, the plaintiff did their opening in seventeen minutes. Why does the defense need an hour? They must be guilty. Bad, bad, bad. Um, That takes some training. That takes some training. Um, I'm happy to help you with that. Contact me. I do it every week. Folks send me their opening statements and say, where am I going wrong here? And the three places I go, the three places I go. I go to the start. How are you starting? How are you coming out of your gate? Then how are you ordering your information? When are you talking about you? Better be in the middle. Better not be at the front of the back. And then finally, how long is this thing? The better story, the better story wins. It's as simple as that. Simplicity. My favorite word as of late. Simplicity. Whoever makes their case simple has a monumental advantage with jurors. Keep it simple. All right. So see, and just... And just a a podcast here. I've gone from exhausted and can't even pronounce half of my words to I'm all geeked up on caffeine and ready to go for the day. So um, send me more um, listener mail. Happy to answer your questions. I love to answer those questions. Um, Otherwise, you know, it's going to be a very uh, busy fall uh, here uh, uh, in the courtroom in Discovery crazy busy um but i tell you what we love doing this podcast (laughs) love doing this podcast we love our audience members our audience interacts with us a lot with dr wood and i and uh you know we're trying to do something special here by getting the word out talking about some of these key topics getting it out there (laughs) and uh hey so far so good we're approaching episode number 200 That'll happen before the end of the year. Got to figure out what to do for that. 200 episodes, pretty impressive. Pretty, pretty happy with that. Really, really happy with that. But, um, you know, we release these things on Monday morning. So hopefully you're a Monday morning listener sometime other day on Monday and you can listen to this on the way to work or while you're in the shower and and have a good week. Um, But thank you. Thank you to our audience because um, if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't do this. We really, really wouldn't do this. We we wouldn't uh, we wouldn't waste your time. We wouldn't waste our time. But we know this is important. We know it's we know it's important, and we're going to keep doing this and doing it to our best ability. So it's um, we love it, and we'll keep it going, folks. All right, everybody, have a great week. Happy Monday. Uh, we really uh, appreciate your participation in this edition of the Litigation Psychology Podcast. We will see you next time.